Psalm 13, Psalm of David. Hear now God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. May God bless the reading and hearing of his holy word. Spiritual darkness is what David is describing for us here. You might call it spiritual depression. Uh, And it's a very dark thing. W.S. Plummer, the, the great theologian, southern theologian, said, No darkness is so dreadful as spiritual darkness the sense that you've been abandoned by God. Matthew Henry, nothing is more killing to the soul than the want of God's favor, nothing more reviving than the return of it. Maybe you've encountered the dark night of the soul where you feel like God has turned his back on you. Well, David obviously has gone through or is going through as he writes this, as he wrote this, going through a time of spiritual darkness, the dark night of the soul, a struggle to wonder, where is God? And we see three things today in this psalm laid out very clearly for us. We see what he's experiencing, what he is asking, and what he is remembering. And it's a pattern that, for those of us who might be going through a difficult time or when we do go through a difficult time where we sense God's presence is no longer with us, we can learn from David's experience and, and his response to the difficulties he was facing. Well, first we see in the first, first two verses what he's experiencing here. He's, he's asking about time. How long will he have to experience what he is experiencing? I watched some college football yesterday and you know, they show the same commercials over and over and over again. And, and it makes the game drag out a long time. And so you see these commercials over and over. And one that kept coming up that just really annoyed me was one for uh, DirecTV, the DirecTV app, which allows you to look at, watch TV wherever you are on any phone or tablet, whatever. So you have uh, uh, an airport gate and a family sitting there and the announcement comes over that the plane is going to be delayed two more hours. And uh, the, 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 the dad, the mother, the dad, or actually it's the mother-in-law, dad, son and daughter. Oh, mom, this is the worst vacation ever. Like she could do anything about the two-hour delay in the flight. I mean, it's not her fault, for real. And everybody's complaining because they're stuck in the, the gate of the airport and the flight is delayed. 
What a bunch of spoiled people. So she hands them all a tablet and phone, and they're watching TV while they wait. Kind of trivial, uh, to be honest, that we can be that easily satisfied in our time. But this situation is, you know, a same kind of situation where you're in a situation where, you know, you don't want to be here in this situation. And David is saying that. I don't want to be in this situation. It's not a good situation. But television is not going to help him with what he's experiencing. He is experiencing a sense that God has forgotten him. A, a sense that God has ceased to care, that he's ignoring him. He's got a sense that God's presence is no longer with him. That God is hiding his face from him. That he's not present anymore. That's what he's experiencing. You know, when we say the benediction sometimes, we use the, what they call the Aaronic blessing from Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You know, what the blessing we are wishing upon you when we say the Aaronic blessing is that God's face, his smile, his favor would be upon you. That's what we mean by the face of God. Of course, God is a spirit and does not have a body like men, as the children's catechism says. So it's a, it's a figure of speech to talk about God's face. What we mean is his presence, his, his favor, his blessing, his smile. Uh, it makes me think of the James Taylor song. You know, whenever I see your smiling face, I have, to add, I, I have to smile myself because I love you. You know, there are certain people in your life, you, you, you long for their smile because you love them and you, you want their favor, their approval. And that's what David's looking for, except he's looking to God for it. He, he wants God's favor, his smile, his approval. And he feels like he doesn't have that. That's what he's going through. And this is causing him some personal perplexity, uh, if you're looking at the outline there. It says there that he is taking counsel and he has, has sorrow. How long must I take counsel, verse 2, in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day. So as he thinks about this, as he's talking to himself, it gives him sorrow in his heart all the day. This is all that he can think about. This is what's dominating his thoughts and it's causing his heart to be sick, to be, to be sorrowful. So he's got this personal perplexity and then personal injury. He's actually got some enemies and maybe this is the the source of the problem here. He's got enemies who are seemingly triumphing over him and he says, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? God, you're not, you're not helping here. You're not showing me any favor. You've abandoned me in this, this moment of distress and the more I think about it, the harder it is, the more sorrowful I get because I don't have you with me as I go through this difficult time. See, it's, what's really bothering him is not the enemy. That's, that's, that's a part of the problem. You know, that's what's, that's what's bringing the problem to light. The, the problem is, for David, is that he doesn't have the Lord 
He can have the enemy as long as he's got the Lord. The enemy's just highlighting the fact that he doesn't sense God's presence with him. That's what he's going through. But notice that he does take it to the Lord in prayer. He takes it to my God, his God. He calls to the Lord. His question is not the dark providence that we like to say, the, the, the God is in control of everything, and sometimes he allows difficult things to come into our lives. We call that a dark providence. So he's not, he's not questioning the dark providence, providence that he's experiencing, but rather the length of this dark providence where he senses that God is not present with him, that he doesn't have God's favor, God's attention, God's help. So here's what he's asking, verses 3 through 4. He's looking for some divine attention. Consider me, Lord. Answer me. He wants God to regard him, to pay attention to him. It's like a child, you know, you, you see a, a, ch a young child coming up and grabbing the coat of, a, of the, the father, you know, dad, 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 you know, wanting his attention. And David's kind of like that, asking God, trying to get his attention. And he, and he asked this, uh, Lord, light up my eyes. That's, a, that's an odd thing to say. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. And again, another figure of speech. And I've, I saw that another place in Scripture. Uh, Saul, remember King Saul was routing the enemy, uh, had them on the run, and was chasing them down. And he's, he made an oath and said, if anybody even stops to eat, and doesn't pursue the enemy, may he be cursed. Of course, his own son, Jonathan, does not hear that Saul has pronounced this prohibition of taking any nourishment. And the oath that he put on it, it says in 1 Samuel 14, Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath. He'd come upon a honeycomb. So uh, he put out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth, and his eyes became bright. You know, here's some guys who have been fighting all day. They were exhausted. They were pursuing the enemy. They were dog tired. He gets a little honey, and he, he eats it, and it and it lightens him up. He he gets renewed and refreshed. And that's what David is saying here. Consider me, Lord. Look at me. Light up my eyes. I'm dying here. Give me a little refreshment in the Lord. I need some strength in the midst of this difficulty. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. And see, so he's giving, that's the divine argument that he gives. These are the reasons behind his request. He doesn't want to die and the enemy to be able to say that, yes, he's prevailed. God has abandoned David. He is appealing to God's honor. He's appealing to the fact that he knows God doesn't want to see his children miserable. He doesn't willingly afflict the sons of men, as the psalmist says. And so he's making his argument to God. There's a great hymn, Come My Soul, Thy Suit Prepare, by John Newton. And it's a song about prayer. And you think it's a song about getting dressed and going to church on Sunday morning. No, the suit is a lawsuit. That's what he means. Come, my soul, your argument. Prepare. Uh, take it to the Lord in prayer. We come to the Lord 
and we make an argument to them. That they do that through all, all throughout Scripture. Coming to the Lord, bringing a lawsuit, stating your case to the Lord, and that's what David is doing here. What a recourse we have that we can take the, even the, the sense that God has abandoned us, we can come to Him in prayer, we can come boldly before the throne of grace and, and lay out our problems, make an argument before God. He listens to us. So he's asking. He's asking for divine attention, divine life. And he's making a, a divine argument to the Lord. We need to remember that when we go through our difficulties. Prayer. How often we neglect prayer. And it's the last thing that we do when we're going through a difficult time. We, we often try to fix things ourselves, first of all. And may we believe the, the false teaching that God helps those who help themselves. It's a great American saying. It's not in the Bible anywhere. God is a gracious God, and we need His help. And He tells us to ask, to seek, and to knock, to continuously come to Him. So David is doing that in the midst of feeling like he's been abandoned in the midst of his trial. How much greater, how much greater reason do we have to come to the Lord in prayer post Jesus Christ? We have a great high priest who's at the right hand of the Father, who's interceding for us. And through him we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Now finally, what's he remembering here? Verses 5 and 6. He says, I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. You know, not all the psalms end this way. You know, many of the psalms end this way where they will start off with a, a difficulty. You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Things like that. You know, how long, O oh Lord? Uh, and then at the end, it comes to the place where the psalmist is, is reconciled and he's finding comfort. And then there are some psalms that don't. Some, like Psalm 88, it's very dark and it just ends. It's just a long complaint. And to remember that these were sung in worship. These, this is God's hymn book, if you will, that he's given us to sing to. So David is singing in the midst of this trial, in the midst of feeling like God has abandoned him. He's composing a song to the Lord to be used in worship. What is he doing here? What is he remembering? Well, he's remembering God's steadfast love, his covenant love. The, it's a very important word there, that word steadfast, that's translated as steadfast. It, it's the Hebrew word chesed, which is uh, covenant mercy, love. It, it's, it's what we're going to talk about at the table today. When, when Christ takes the cup and he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, a covenant, a, a, a bond that, that God has with us. God is committed to his people. God is so committed to his promise to be our God and for us to be his people that he sent his only son to die for us. That's what we're celebrating at the table. And David is saying, I'm trusting in your Steadfast love, the, the promises that you've made to me, I'm going to trust those promises even though I, I don't feel it right now, even though I don't see it right now, even though I think that you're hiding your face from me right now. You've made promises. And you're a God who will not 
forsake your people. You are a God who will not break his promises. You are a faithful God. So he's reminding himself, he's remembering, I'm going to trust that God is a covenant-keeping God. What a comfort that is in times of difficulty, in times when we feel that God may have abandoned us. God is a God who keeps his promises, and he's proven it in the greatest way ever by sending his only begotten son to die for us. That's how much he loves us and cares for us. That's how he has committed himself to us in the covenant. And then he reminds himself also that, that, this, that his salvation is secure. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I'm going to rejoice in the salvation that you've given me through Christ. And that's something that's hard to do in difficult times. But that's why we have the table, for example. That's when we come to church on Sunday. I'm supposed to get up here and tell you about this great salvation. I'm supposed to preach the gospel to you. And because you and I need to hear it every day. We need to rejoice in that salvation. That carries us through the difficult times. That's what Peter was saying in 1 Peter chapter 1 we looked at last week. He knows that they're suffering, those people that, to whom he's writing. He knows that they're going through very difficult times and hardships. And he's reminding them, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's caused to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is, e that is eternal, that is imperishable, that is undefiled. So he's reminding them of all these blessings that God has given them, that they have a secure salvation. And yes... It, it might be necessary for a little while to go through various trials. But at the end, you're going to receive something glorious, the eternal weight of glory that will go on forever. Put it in perspective. David is doing that. He's reminding himself of the secure salvation. He's going to rejoice in that salvation. And God's bountiful dealings with him. He's counting his blessings. There's another old song. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Uh, I don't really care for that hymn. It's kind of cheesy, I think, but a good message. You know, count your blessings. Yes, count your blessings. Be thankful. Live lives of gratitude for all that God has done for us. The Lord has dealt bountifully with us, and David is remembering that. You have dealt bountifully. And I'm going to start singing now. Isn't that amazing? David is, is already singing, even though the, the problem has not been resolved yet. His heart is already singing. He still has an enemy, and he probably maybe still feels that he doesn't have a sense of God's presence there, but he's been reminded of God's promises, he's been reminded of the salvation that God has provided, and he's reminded of all the past bountiful blessings that he's enjoyed from God's hand, and his heart is singing in the midst of this trial. Our hearts will not always sing in the midst of our trials, but these are things that we must remember if we are to endure through them. Because sometimes we just endure through them. We may not go singing all the way, but I tell you, singing will help. Music is always a help. And if you look at the Psalms as a, as a whole, you know, every range of human emotion is in the Psalms. And there are songs there for us to sing, even in the darkest times. And David is so confident here that God will deliver him. He begins to sing even before the resolution has occurred. All this, all this leads us into the Lord's table. To rejoice in the salvation, uh, to, to do this in remembrance of Christ. See, we, We're drawing strength today as we come to the Lord's table.
we're remembering these things. We're doing what David uh, was doing when we come to the Lord's table. We see his covenant love. We, we see the, uh, the sign of the salvation, Christ dying for us, laying down his, his life, his broken body, his shed blood for us. And, and we're remembering uh, the blessings that come to us through Christ and, and, and uh, the salvation that he's secured and, and all the blessings that we have. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, as Paul writes in Ephesians. But in the midst of our darkness, you know, let us come and be reminded of the gospel, which is what I've been doing, hopefully, in these few moments. But we're also reminded of the gospel in a physical way as we come to the Lord's table, remembering that, yes, we might have a, a frowning providence, but as William Cooper says in his great hymn, uh, God moves in a mysterious ways. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. You know, God may allow us to go through difficult times, but he has a smiling face because of the salvation that he has secured for us. We know, we know he does, and ultimately we will enjoy that fully and completely in glory. I want to remind you of that today. And as we come to the Lord's table, let's prepare our hearts. And we'll do so uh, by singing together how sweet the name of Jesus sounds. I've got the guys, took them by surprise a little bit. But let's pray together as they come forward and get ready. Lord, we, we do thank you for the encouragement of the Psalms. We thank you, Lord, for the, uh, the reminder that yeah, sometimes, sometimes we may feel like your smile's not upon us, and sometimes it's because we have sinned and we need to repent. And sometimes, Lord, it's just a, a sense of the trouble that we're going through and our prayers don't feel like they're going to the ceiling, and it's just a feeling that we have. There's no substance to us. But remind us of the truth, Lord. We thank you for this reminder of the truth from David. And we pray, Lord, that we need to repent, that we would be granted repentance, which we always do need. And also, Lord, if we need uh, encouragement, that our hearts would be encouraged today with this word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.